Namaste and welcome to another edition of the Bharatvartha Weekly. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Weekly is where we discuss the news and events from the week that was. Uh, with me, I have Ashish Chandorkar and Shivatsa Subana, my guests, as usual. Hi, Ashish. Hi, Vatsa. How are you guys? Hi, Kelly. Missing the election results because of the Bharatvartha Weekly. <laughs> the great sacri- sacrifices we have to do. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, this was, uh, I would say it was an eventful week. Uh, more than an eventful week from a Bharatvartha perspective, right? We put out about five podcasts uh, this week, uh, ranging from the Bengal elections to Pune against the pandemic and so on. Ashish, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, so I spoke to Loknath Chatterjee, uh, who is a candidate from Baliganj for BJP. He's trailing right now, actually. So, uh, but that's nothing to do with the podcast. We we recorded the podcast uh, on the last day of campaign. So the, the work was already done. Uh, comes across as a very uh, well-read and well-educated guy, uh, young young face, of course. So he could be an important person in the BJP mix of things for the next Lok Sabha election. Uh, it was a good a good perspective hearing from him on how it's an uphill task for the party in uh, the Calcutta region. At the same time, uh, how the party has grown in residents of the state. Uh, I also spoke to Sudhir Mehta and Amit Paranjpe on the Pune. Uh, fight of Pune against the pandemic. So yesterday was Maharashtra Day and we thought that what better day to essentially bring out a resilient fight which Pune industry associations have put up against the pandemic uh, in terms of contributing money, um, getting the healthcare infrastructure improved in the city. And Pune today has got the highest number of ventilators in the country uh, for any city which was largely made pop- possible through this initiative called Pune Platform for COVID Response. So, uh, very interesting and very very passionate conversation. Sudhir is a, a CEO of one of the industries in uh, one of the MSMEs in Pune. And uh, he has really taken a lead personally in making, the, making this happen. So, very interesting conversation on how the uh, private sector can supplement the efforts of the government uh, in, fight, in fighting the pandemic. Yeah. We also had our first, uh, uh, you know, policy AMA, uh, first of many, right, uh, where Ashish uh, presented, you know, some of the nuances of, uh, you know, how policy uh, is drafted in India and what are the typical constraints and so on. Uh, what's up? What do you think about it? I think something like this was much needed. Uh, you mm. know, the words like, terms like public policy, etc. kind of shrouded behind a lot of... Uh, bureaucratic language and so on so it's it's necessary to kind of simplify it so people understand how you know some of these decisions are made what is center what is state how do you prioritize uh, and at the end of the day uh, we have to understand you know as as thomas sowell says that there are no solutions only trade off so every policy decision is essentially a trade off where some people benefit and some people unfortunately lose out and then what can be done to kind of make sure that the uh, you know playing field is as level as possible for all stakeholders so all of these are very important things and these need to be simplified and people have a lot of questions on these things and they don't know who to ask about some of these things so i think in that context this was a very very important and a very very good sort of podcast which cleared a lot of things, at least for me personally. Uh, we also did an episode on the IPL, which you can watch where we spoke about, you know, the last week, the key performances and so on. 
So going ahead, that's how it's going to be. Every week we'll focus on some of the top performances. Right. Uh, and uh, round rounding things off. I mean, we also did a, a fantastic episode with the uh, Binu and Ramesh of Balutsav. Uh, working with public schools in uh, Karnataka, and uh, they brought out a lot of nuances uh, that uh, that you know a lot of people would not un- uh, would not know, right? Uh, about education itself uh, uh, at the grassroots, and uh, you know they're doing some fantastic work. Do check out uh, Balutsav and the episode. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, first piece of news: uh, some of the top cricketers in the IPL have donated to India's fight against uh, COVID. Uh, some of the sports uh, sports uh, top players, including Shikhar Dhawan, Jaydev Unadkat, uh, and Sachin Tendulkar, have announced their contribution towards COVID-19 relief in India. Unadkat uh, uh, stated that 10% of his IPL salary will be contributed for uh, COVID-19 patients. Uh, Dhawan uh, announced that he would be making a donation of about 20 lakhs and all the money uh, from post-match individual performance awards. Uh, Tendulkar donated one crore to the Mission Oxygen charity. While KKR uh, pace bowler, the Australian Pat Cummins announced a $50,000 donation. What's up? Uh, IPL has been panned as a waste of money from some quarters, right? Uh, but these people are, you know, trying to change their image, right? What are your thoughts? So I think uh, there has been a lot of bad press about IPL, you know, the need for having IPL at these times and so on. Personally, I think it's the only bright spot for me in the evenings among all the you know gloom and doom kind of news that we hear every day it at least kinds of takes you away from reality for some time and get to enjoy some good cricket uh, one thing is that cricketers have always been very responsible socially right uh, i i don't think this is the first time this is happening they usually don't like to talk about uh, all the good work that they do uh, you know for instance uh, Steve Waugh had been doing a lot of work with Udayan, which is an NGO in Calcutta for years now. And he continues to work, uh, you know, and help India even after his retirement. Sachin Tendulkar has supported a charity called Apnalaya and has, which has uplifted, you know, and gotten education to thousands of children. Uh, but him being a very private person, he also hasn't spoken a lot about it. Uh, Likewise, you know, some of the owners of the teams, right, be it JSW when it comes to supplying oxygen, Reliance has supplied oxygen. So overall, the IPL as an ecosystem, you know, be it the team owners or the cricketers have been very responsible uh, during the IPL as well. So it's not just that they are in a bubble where they're completely locked off from reality and, you know, they're having a good time while people are suffering. They are doing their bit. First and foremost, by making sure the IPL continues, which provides some sort of an avenue for most people, uh, you know, away from the daily news that we hear. Secondly, the the franchises themselves have contributed. We covered that in the previous weekly. Individual cricketers have done a lot, right? So you mentioned Dhawan, Jaydev Unatkar, Rohit Sharma uh, of Mumbai Indians has donated, you know, significant of, amount of money. Uh, Virat Kohli has himself donated money. So, uh, and this has happened across countries, right? So, uh, cricketers, uh, you must remember that cricketers themselves don't usually come from the most affluent of backgrounds. So, they are pretty connected to reality in terms of what's going on. They would 
themselves have you know family who is suffering right now you know close by relatives and so on and uh, i think they're doing a great job uh, by contributing money uh, they're also uh, spreading awareness on some of the important things that you know a lot of people have spoken about which is about wearing masks sanitation and so on social distancing all of these are equally important money is one part but that's more on the treatment side so they're also spreading awareness on the prevention side which is a great thing uh, so yeah net net you know more power to them if they use their star power to uh, you know get people to be more aware and uh, spread more awareness I, i think i think it's a great thing yeah i could not agree more uh, all right moving on um, zomato filed their drhp on uh, wednesday with sevi for their uh, 1 billion dollar 1.1 billion dollar ipo i think the zomato ipo has been in the works for uh, possibly a year uh, we had uh, news reports coming in uh, last year or so that they had cut down monthly burn to less than a million uh which was significant for them and uh, i feel also i mean it reflects the trend of like you know uh from discounting to food ordering becoming a normal behavior for at least urban folks at least right so uh the valuations floating around are somewhere between 6 or 7 billion dollars i guess uh, this is also where you know private equity valuations meet the reality of indian markets in some sense right uh the revenue is uh, i think for 2020 was around 350 million uh and so the valuation that they are talking about is about 17x which is needless to say very very steep right similar companies like grubhub grubhub which is uh, public in the us is uh, doing around 12x of that 12x revenue basically right um uh, there are also some reports that you know growth has been flat and it hasn't increased proportionately and stuff but uh, i think last year was an exceptional year right something that all of us can agree uh and uh, they've they've been playing ca- catch up in some sense right march and april all of their businesses took a very big hit and then you know since then they've been trying to recover um but zomato itself is a fantastic story i would say it's a 13 year old business uh, you know there were a lot of listings businesses that came uh, during that era and all of them fell by the wayside uh, for them to have survived 13 years in a super competitive space uh, you know shows that you know the team is uh, uh the leadership team has fantastic uh, execution chops right uh, they pivoted from what they were earlier which was the listings uh, website app whatever uh, to delivery they were late to delivery but then have caught up pretty significantly and t- today i think it's a duopoly between them and swiggy uh, they were also one of the first internet companies in india to expand to middle east and africa they did that fairly well um, right and uh, I'm personally excited. I think this year we're going to see some tech startup IPOs uh, like Delivery, Flipkart, Policy Bazaar, Nike. All of these are in the works, and uh, yeah, so pretty excited about uh, Zomato. So, Ashish, what's up? Will you guys be applying? Ah, uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> I will apply. But I mean, I think on from a larger standpoint, I I think it's great that uh, people are. i mean some of these companies are now going public so in that sense that they are not seen as just uh, you know businesses which will fail or this is a bubble and so on so they'll provide exits to employees uh, existing investors uh, so people will actually i mean the wealth will be spread quite a bit so i am personally more excited by that uh, you know than the yeah. valuation and so on my my no, info edge is uh, 
uh, I was saying my, my, my IPO luck, uh, luck is very bad, so I don't get any allotments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have I've been yeah. rejected more times uh, for IPO than by any girl that I've ever quoted. I think. <laughs> right? So. <laughs> So, yeah, speaking of exits, I mean, InfoEdge is going to make a killing on this. I think uh, last time I uh, read about it, I mean, they still owned a very significant 25 plus percent uh, of Zomato, right? Uh, so, InfoEdge, of course, uh, uh, Sanjeev Bikchandani, who was one of the early entrepreneurs with Nokri.com and so on, right? All right, moving on. Uh, Farmeasy announced their plan to vaccinate 3 crore people. Uh, the platform plans to conduct this through camps and vaccine centers through its 5,000 partner centers across India. Given the current second wave of the pandemic, the government of India has uh, invited private companies to participate in accelerating the vaccination drive. FarmEasy claims to have over 80,000 partner retailers, 5,000 doctors and a pharma supply chain facility enabling last mile delivery of cold chain products. Ashish what do you see as the impact of this and also the larger significance of you know all of the private players stepping in to solve what is clearly like a unprecedented crisis yeah i think the vaccination cannot really scale up without the private sector involvement that is pretty much clear uh, good thing is that pharmacy which is more a supply chain player rather than a pharmacy player uh, they have actually taken an initiative even with, this was done even before the uh, may 1 uh, rules came into play so they have partnered with more than 1,000 organizations and uh, opened links for individual registrations also. So the idea here is that uh, whatever facilities are quote-unquote approved by PharmEasy, people can go there uh, and get themselves vaccinated as an individual. Otherwise, uh, they, uh, they will also have partnership with the organizations. So this could be again on-site drives or at the facilities which PharmEasy certifies or approves. So, uh, the the target which they have put is three crore uh, uh, three crore individuals across both the segments, which is people vaccinating themselves and companies vaccinating their employees. Uh, one, I think the key part here, Carrie, is that the supply chain logistics development which have happened in India uh, in the last few years are quite phenomenal, right? Like uh, if you see, e-commerce started about two decades ago. From there on, the fact that we have uh, such a commitment on the supply chain where uh, some of the some of, some of these difficult logistics around vaccines, uh, uh, maintaining temperatures, transportation, uh, cre cre creating the storage facilities at the last mile, uh, especially in places which are not hospitals or not clinics, right? So cre creating facilities in those uh, centers. I think some of that uh, uh, is a great uh, success story for Indian logistics in general. And uh, I, I really hope that even more players participate in, in this drive. I mean, I, I think May and potentially some part of June may be a little uh, lax on the avail availability of vaccine, but as it scales up, which will happen definitely by, let's say, mid-June, uh, hopefully more players will, will, will come in here because if the private sector takes care of the 10-15 crore employed individuals in India, that could be a huge uh, boost for vaccination from the perspective of the coverage as well as the chance of getting in infected, right? Because these are the individuals who move a lot and who work in structured settings and offices and in, in, in indoor settings. So players like PharmEasy can really make a difference there in terms of uh, uh, reducing the larger problem of the, the, the spread of the uh, pandemic whenever the next wave hits us, which uh, I mean, currently is predicted to state as in October, November. But yeah, I think seems like a great intervention. Yeah. 
no and uh, also office facilities being used as well right i mean because hospitals and healthcare centers are pretty stressed anyway right so yeah uh, all right moving on usa sends uh, india covid 19 aid uh, 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 worth 100 million last week right uh, the joe biden administration uh, also redirected its own order of astrazeneca manufacturing supplies to india which will allow it to make over 20 million doses of vaccine uh, it has already dispatched the first batch of covid relief materials to india including oxygen cylinders and regulators rapid diagnostic test kits and n95 masks Uh, an initial delivery of 1100 cylinders will remain in india and can be repeatedly refilled at local supply centers with more plane loads to come what's up what do you uh, think about this i mean there seems to be a little bit of a flip flop going on here right yeah indeed uh, i mean uh, so i think it initially the us uh, invoked the dpa and uh, stopped kind of export of some of the materials needed for vaccines ashish had spoken about this on an earlier weekly it affected uh, you know novavax or covavax as it is known in india more than covishield uh, but then there were some materials uh, needed even for manufacturing covishield and covaxin which which were effect, uh, which were kind of uh, banned and for export and uh, there was there was going to be some impact in terms of manufacturing and i think that's still going to have to happen not because the us is blocking export but because uh, everyone is looking to manufacture vaccines around the world and there isn't you know enough of this material going around right uh, now what they have done is they have at least helped us with the uh, immediate need right so which is uh, the cylinders that you mentioned uh, oxygen generate in units of psas uh, which which will uh, which we will get from the us pps uh, likewise as you mentioned some amount of astrazeneca manufacturing supplies uh, on that i think it's interesting that the us is sitting on 6 million doses of or even more right i think uh, possibly 60 million doses i don't know, don't remember the exact number but somewhere in that range 40 to 60 million doses of astrazeneca which will not get approved uh, anytime soon in the us so if they could actually uh, export some of that that will uh, help india uh, significantly in in the near term in addition they are sending some diagnostic tests which will provide quick results uh likewise remdesivir which has been in short supply across india that is another item they are sending uh overall it's a good thing i think uh, we've criticized globalism quite a bit right but it in some ways is what is helping us get through this difficult time right now so it's not just the us but also other countries like uk which are sending some materials which will help us we must remember that india itself had uh, supplied hcq and pps during the pandemic last year so some of the, this is reciprocal we have also sent vaccines uh, more than 60 million doses of vaccines around 66 million uh, to some of the poorer countries so we've earned some of this goodwill which is kind of forcing some of these countries to help us back so it's not kind of happened in a vacuum it's a lot of proactive decisions that have been taken by the government in helping out other countries even when we could have done with some of those materials that 
the other countries are now you know kind of acknowledging what we had done for them in the past and are sending some of these materials for us uh look materials are in short supply across the world right uh, especially when it comes to vaccination so any help should not be seen skeptically but should be welcomed so i think uh, in all while they can possibly do more yes but we should be grateful for what they have done and uh, i i just hope that you know once things i mean they are able to vaccinate more of their population there is some of the other restrictions as well so that we can ramp up uh, our production of vaccines faster yep uh former prime minister hd devagoda addressed a letter to prime minister modi uh, this letter offered suggestions such as decentralizing health administration uh, war rooms per district focus on non urban centers and increasing accessibility of vaccines he also stressed on the importance of instituting an insurance program for health workers and communicating between state governments the former prime minister closed his letter by suggesting banning large public gatherings and postponing state elections while focusing on building large scale medical infrastructure ashish your thoughts yeah um, interesting this letter came right after uh, ex prime minister manmohan singh had written a similar letter with three or four suggestions on the vaccine uh, vaccination part basically his, his suggestions were more focused on the process of vaccination uh that letter did not meet uh, uh, get a very kind response uh, from from the bjp and from the government right the the response came from health minister dr harshvardhan and not from the pm uh, the response also was a uh, was was kind of sharp and acerbic uh, i guess the issue there was that the congress government especially in chatisgarh where they refused to use covaxin and then later on claimed that there was a vaccine shortage i think those kind of issues were probably uh, at the back of the mind which kind of which could have triggered that response uh, in the sense that uh, manmohan singh did not criticize that uh, that kind of behavior uh, so some of the vaccine hesitancy which has got created so in contrast this letter which was written last monday uh, this uh, and uh, the, the letter which uh devgora road was a slightly broader uh, had a slightly broader framework in the sense that he spoke about things like giving grace marks for neat examination where the doctors had uh, you know participated as as a covid warrior or in the covid care centers uh, he spoke about state governments talking informally uh, creating a network of information exchange for best practices and also for uh, uh, ensuring that the virus doesn't spread from one one state to another state if there's an issue Uh, he spoke about very interestingly about vaccinating children uh, 12 to 15 years uh, age group uh, which which currently of course we are not uh, aiming for at all in in, in india and then uh, uh, he he made a suggestion that there should be a vaccination production center state of the art uh, center one in north india and one in south india which can be used uh, for future i mean in any case even covid 19 is not going away uh, in, uh, permanently right we would even need vaccinations at least for the next year or maybe even two years so that that could be a very practical suggestion and uh, then pm modi apparently called him a couple of days later which he himself put out as a tweet and acknowledged the letter and said that they were going to work on it so uh, uh, interesting federalism there and in the sense that uh, the the suggestions made were quite practical and uh, both short term and medium term suggestions and and they were reciprocated so i think some of this is good because uh, one issue which we see in the current pandemic is that the states do not always 
you know, uh, I mean, there's not much coordination across states, right? Even within states, there's a problem, but definitely across states, there's a problem uh, which, uh, which is both logistical in nature and that given the given the easy movement of people and frequent movement of people in India across states, uh, the the chances that one outbreak will become a national outbreak are anyway high. We have seen this in the second wave also, where there were a few states at a high number, and then eventually the you know the the, the people movement will ensure that the disease spreads across the country. So uh, uh, in in that sense, it was a good gesture from from XPM Devgoda. And let's see what gets implemented from those from that laundry list which you had. You know, I missed that pronunciation of uh, Devagoda's name. So, <laughs> sorry, that was just a joke. All right, moving on. Uh, yeah, uh, so that's a wrap uh, uh, from us uh, this week. Uh, well, I mean, thank you again for all of the love and support uh, that you guys have been uh, showing, right? Uh, uh, plenty of comments and uh, you know this really is very very encouraging uh, Ashish what's uh, anything that uh, struck your uh, fancy this week I mean we had like five episodes so there's a lot of work this week that was what <laughs> struck me yeah. Uh, <laughs> week. yeah and I think that probably hasn't got given us enough time to uh, you know uh, promote all the episodes let's say uh, I think yeah. got mixed up a little bit uh, schedule, schedule by, but unfortunately there was some of them were like pressing compulsions in terms of the dates and so on. Uh, mm -hmm. Hopefully, we can spread across this this better. I think in April we had this issue where we had a big gap between the first and the second episode in the month. I think it was first April and thirteenth April, and then a lot of things happened later after that. So hopefully, yeah. the scheduling may onward. Yeah, things yeah. stacked up, I guess, uh, this month, right? No, I think yeah, especially some things were planned, like uh, you know the IPL episodes on Saturday and then May first. We had to do an episode considering the significance of the day. So some of that has happened, but I, it's good. I think the, the momentum is there in terms of seven, eight episodes a month covering, you know, the key topics that others are not discussing. So I think that that's the great thing. Yeah. No, and I think uh, we, we, April, I'm just looking at it, right? So April 1st, I think we did one not five. That was episode number one not five. And, uh, Yesterday, what we put out was 113. So uh, quite a busy month also. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we leave, uh, we'd like to announce a premium subscribers only episode uh, where we will be covering uh, the significance of Ayodhya, Mathura and Kashi. Right. And uh, uh, I think we'll, we'll be doing this with uh, Vivek Kaitan, who you've heard multiple times before. Uh, Vivek is a history enthusiast and uh, perhaps one of the most compelling speakers on these matters. Um, you can check out an earlier episode uh, where we did the Ram Janmabhumi, Ram Janmabhumi movement uh, with him and Rohit Jaraman. Uh, and it's going to be very comprehensive, engaging, and we're going to address all facets of uh, this, right? Historical, political, and cultural. Uh, Ashish, Vatsa, what are you looking forward to? I think this is a, this will be a good episode. Vivek has is quite an authority on this topic. Uh, he's a student of history as well, so he has studied some of these as part of his, uh, you know, uh, the, the the education. I mean, uh, the the degree programs which he has he has taken up, and he has written also uh, written and spoken about this quite extensively. So, I think it's like a good one-hour package talking about the three movements uh, which have defined the political, uh, you know, discourse over the last few years. 
and uh, especially the ayodhya one which has got resolved and it was like it has a 500 years history otherwise so uh, looking forward to his uh, insights on how these issues have shaped the the political and the social uh, narrative yeah, i think you know these issues have always affected social consciousness uh, especially in these regions they may not have been politically significant uh, ramjan movie had its time where it was politically significant but these have all, always been socially significant and uh, a lot of information is not available on what you would call as mainstream media in terms of the history and what actually happened you know in history and how these movements shaped movements shaped up over time so i am definitely looking forward to understanding some of those details uh, it it will be a really really good episode yeah so do check out our premium subscription plans uh, that's plus and prime on youtube uh, right uh, so for as little as 99 rupees uh, a month you can uh, engage with us a little a little more uh, uh, on all of these episodes and ams that we are putting out right uh, so that's it from us uh, this week uh, uh, hope you're all staying safe and taking care of yourselves and your family um, so from ashish vatsa and myself thank you and uh, see you again next week